0: Father, we are grateful for the cross. May we live lives of gratefulness. And as part of our gratefulness to you now, God, we pray that we would humble ourselves before you and your word and that you would transform us as we meet with you. Teach us things from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing this sermon series through the book of Romans. Last Sunday we saw that all people, all the nations are to praise God. He is not just the God of Israel. He is not just the God of America. He is the God of all. And he wants all people to praise him. But how are they going to praise him unless they know about him? And how are they going to know about him unless they hear of him? The Book the book of Romans is about the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, which is to go out to the nations. In our passage today, the word gospel shows up three times. In verse 16, it is the gospel of God. In verse 19, it is the gospel of Christ. And in verse 20, it's just simply the gospel message. It's the good news. So why then again, in chapter 15, does the gospel become a theme? Well, before I answer that question, there's something else that's going on here. Um, I've been saying that the Book of Romans kind of breaks into three sections, but I think I'm going to change that just a little bit now. I reserve the right to modify what I'm saying as I go through the book and learn more about it. So I think there's four sections now, and I think the Book of Romans ends with a a personal greeting from Paul to the people of Rome. He explains to them uh, and, and greets them kind of personally, starting now in 1514 through the end of the letter. So in some ways, it feels like we're reading somebody else's mail. Do you ever feel like that when you get to the end of one of these Bible passages? Like, I don't know any of these people that they're talking about, and maybe I'll just hurry up and get through this part of it. Uh, It feels a little bit odd sometimes. So, So what are we to get from it? Is it just a history lesson? Are we just supposed to learn facts about what Paul did and who the people of Rome were? Well, in one sense, we can learn those things. But in another sense, here's, here's how I want to look at the rest of the book of Romans as we walk through this personal part now. I want us to learn from the examples that we see in here. So today we're going to see three things that the Apostle Paul did with the Gospel. So, and my sermon that is entitled, What to do with the Gospel. So we're going to learn about what the Apostle Paul did with the Gospel, but he will stand as an example then for us of what we should do with the Gospel message. So like I said, there's going to be three things, so I have three points in my sermon today about what we should do with the gospel. Uh, So my first point then is that Paul reminded people of the gospel. Paul reminded people of the gospel. Now before I explain what Paul did, I have two questions for you. First question, have any of you in here, and I want to see a show of hands on this, ever heard me repeat myself? you ever heard me uh, okay yeah I keep, I keep your hands up and as I'm talking okay so maybe you have heard me say more than one time that we should know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord okay yeah keep your hands up I want to see have you ever heard me say things like I think it's a good habit to regularly read your Bible daily and pray and be in regular fellowship ever heard me say I like Mountain Dew more than one time okay. <laughs> or for some reason the New York Jets okay yes yeah, uh, lots of hands are going up here why do I do that Is it just because I think that you all like the sound of my voice as much as I do? Um, No, that's not it. Okay, second question for you. How many of you in here, and I want to see a show of hands on this, have ever heard me repeat myself? (laughs) Okay, thank you, thank you. Why do teachers do that? Here's the reason. Some things are so important that they demand reminding. And no, I'm not talking about Mountain Dew right now. Um, That's not so important. But things about the gospel message are so important. And I was even thinking today, why do you all keep coming? You all keep coming and you hear me say a lot of the same things over and over and over again. But you know what? I think there's something to this. That we are to remind ourselves of the things that we already know. Imagine if you just all of a sudden said, You know what? I'm pretty sure I've heard everything that Pastor Eric has to say, and you know what? I'm even pretty sure I've heard everything that the Bible has to say, heard everything that church has to say. I'm just going to kind of stop. I've I've learned it all, and just for the rest of my life, I don't think I need to hear it anymore. What do you think would happen to a person if they did that? Even with the best of intentions, if if that's possible, I think what would happen is that that person would drift further and further away from God. Because it's good for our souls to be reminded about things. The Apostle Paul used this as a ministry strategy, actually. So let's look at verses 14 through 16 of our passage today. We're in Romans 15, starting in verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So right away Paul acknowledges here that the people to whom he was writing already knew these things and also were able to teach other people about them. Now, of course, it's not that they understood everything about the, who, about the book of Romans, because who of us even could say that we understand it all? It takes a lifetime just to, in some ways, even crack the surface of the book of Romans. But even so, Paul admitted that what he was teaching these people were things that they already knew. Why? Again, because some things are so important that they demand reminding, and one of those things is the gospel message. So let me take my turn now at reminding you of the gospel message. Brian already did it today. I want to do it again. And and one reason why I want to do this, so that you know it. A second reason, so that you can tell it to other people. What if you just all of a sudden today or next week had an opportunity right in front of you to share the gospel, what would you say? Well, what I would want to say is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, sinners like you and me. Every single one of us has sinned. We had gone our own way. We had offended God and the penalty for that was death and there was nothing that we could do about it. But Jesus Christ lived a sinless, perfect life. And when he died on the cross he took our sins upon himself to pay that penalty that we couldn't pay. So that anyone who receives him as Savior and Lord can have complete forgiveness and an eternity long relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel message. And it's good news that demands a response. And for those of you who have been here more than one day, you know what that response is. You know it. I I don't even really need to say it, except I'm going to say it to remind you again. The response is faith. We are to give our lives to Jesus Christ. To receive him as Lord, recognizing that he is in control and we are not. So we actually die to ourselves and give our lives to Jesus Christ so that we follow him. So that we don't pretend to lead our own lives anymore, but we live for him. That's the gospel message and that's the response that we are to give. And I want to remind you of those things. I want you to know that if there's anybody in here who doesn't know Jesus, I want you to know that today, right now, you can receive Jesus Christ by confessing your sins and receiving him as Savior and Lord. And I want all of you to know how to be able to share that message with other people because like we said at communion, we want to proclaim Jesus' death until he comes again. That should fill the rest of our lives. We need to be reminded of these things and it's not just me that says that and it's not even just the Apostle Paul that said it here's the Apostle, Apostle Peter's words on reminders in 1 Peter 2, 12-15 so I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So for me, as long as I live, I want to remind you of the gospel. And that shouldn't just be me. It really should be the application for all of us here. We should all remind each other of the gospel and its ongoing implications for our lives. Let's keep talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ amongst ourselves even, so that we remember how good it is and so that we remember how to say it and remember how to continue to live according to it. Okay, then the second point here today. Paul proclaimed the gospel. I want to now read the rest of our passage, starting in verse 17. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. So in this passage, we see that Paul had this God-given task of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. But even more specifically than that, as we see in verse 20, that his job was to bring the gospel to people who hadn't heard yet. Now, don't misunderstand. Um, Paul is not saying that every single Christian has this job of bringing the gospel to people who haven't heard yet, because what would be missing? If every Christian had that job, there'd be nobody left to help build up the body of Christ. So Paul knew that we needed people to build up the body of Christ. In fact, he appointed leaders as he went to do that very same thing. But Paul's specific job was to go where people didn't know Jesus and to proclaim the gospel message to them. And in verse 21, Paul quoted from Isaiah 52. It's a passage about how Christ would come and how all the nations would hear about him. So Jesus came so that the nations could be saved. And God raised up Paul to be somebody who would bring the gospel to the nations. How did Paul feel about that? How would you feel about that if all of a sudden your job was not to just live in comfy, cozy Fergus Falls, but to go to the nations and bring the gospel message? Um, And for some people, like Talia, that's not a hypothetical question. Um, But what if that was your calling? How would you feel about that? Would you feel burdened by that? Well, I love how Paul felt about it. If you go back to verse 15, he says that he got this job because of God's grace. It was God's grace on his life that he would be a a missionary to the Gentiles. You see, Paul knew a lot about the grace of God. Paul firsthand saw how the gospel changed him. Remember who Paul was? Uh, Before he was this guy who went around the world helping to build up the church, he was a guy who went around and tried to tear down the church, persecuting Christians. So for Paul to talk about the grace of God, he's talking about the grace of God to forgive a wicked sinner who was against God. And that's God's grace for all of us. And it's that same grace of God that then compels us to go out with the gospel message. So for Paul, it was gratitude and worship to bring the gospel to the nations. In verse 17, he gloried in it. Or the word there is actually boasted. He boasted in his service to God. Is it right to boast like that? Uh, it It always seems a little bit strange to me. But listen to what he's doing. He's boasting in his service to Christ Jesus. And I think Paul's a good example here because who gets the glory for what Paul did? Was Paul saying, look at me and how good of a missionary I am? No, he was saying, look at how good the grace of God is and look how good Jesus is. And then he boasted in in what Christ was doing through him. Because God gave Paul a job to do, Paul knew that he could worship God by doing it well. And, And think about how much energy Paul put into his job. Um, you know in in some ways if we were to compare ourselves to Paul every one of us would probably have to say whoa, well, what have I done Uh, but let's let Paul stand as an example at least of, of wholeheartedly going with the gospel message and worshiping God by doing the job that he had to do and then we can think about "Well, what's the job that God has for me to do and then we do it wholeheartedly in service to God glorifying him through it So by what Paul said and did, he brought the gospel to the nations, and according to verse 19, he went on a circuitous route, actually about three or four of them, depending on how you count them. Some of your Bibles in the back of them have a map section, and you can look where Paul went around. And he said he went from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, which is modern-day Albania, uh, with the gospel message. He went a bunch of different places with the gospel, and he wanted to go to Rome. He told them that in chapter 1, and he tells them again here. But it's interesting to me. Paul wanted to go there, but God didn't lead him there. Because taking the gospel to the nations so far meant that Paul couldn't yet get to Rome. And, and that just stands, I think, as another example for me. There are some things in life that we, we, we may want to do, but that if we're going to serve God and proclaim the gospel, that we might not get around to doing it. Uh, Maybe that vacation that you've been dreaming about uh, is going to be overtaken by a mission trip that you need to go on. Um, It's worth it to serve the Lord. So Paul says that he fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ in verse 19. Now, obviously, he didn't mean that he talked to every single person in the world, but what he meant is that he did his part in bringing the gospel as far as he could to as many nations as he could. By the grace of God, doors were opened for Paul so that he could share the gospel and plant churches and appoint leaders for those churches and then go on to the next place. That was Paul's job. But It was more than just a job. He let the gospel direct his life. And it cost him dearly shipwrecks meetings imprisonments history tells us even death but that's how Paul honored God by doing the task that God gave him to do in proclaiming the gospel and Paul said in verse 18 accept um, what Christ has accomplished through me so you see Paul wasn't taking the credit there and I love that again may God work through us as well May we be people who bring the gospel to other people, and may we not assume that it was our own words that did it. May we be so passionate about God receiving worship and glory that we take his gospel to people who haven't yet heard, for people who haven't yet received Jesus. And maybe it'll be people who have heard the gospel a bunch of times, but haven't yet given their life to Jesus. Maybe that's our job. But on that note, I love this quote from John Piper. He said, missions exist because worship doesn't. I think he hit the nail on the head there. We should all be worshipers of God, the God who created all this. Again, every once in a while, I still just look up at the stars or the moon in the sky and I think, wow, God, you are worthy of worship. But there are people who don't live their life that way. We should go to them, bring the gospel to them, help them understand that they should worship too me personally I'm grateful for the gospel and because I'm grateful I worship but there are people who don't live like that so let's tell them let me say it this way by way of application if you're thankful for the gospel you should proclaim it to others if you're grateful for the gospel you should proclaim it to others that's what Paul did he gave his life for that And and like I said, that was a specific job for him to go to the nations. And maybe your job is different. Maybe your job is to stay. But I do think that every one of us who knows Jesus Christ can engage in fruitful gospel proclaiming with the people around us, whether that's in Fergus Falls or Haiti or Albania or wherever it might be. We should all go somewhere. And let me repeat myself from last Sunday. Going might mean that you just go next door to your neighbor. It might mean that you write a letter to somebody that's been on your heart for a while. Is there anybody out there that you're thinking about, man, you know, I know exactly what to say to them because God has put it on my heart. I just haven't had the opportunity. Well, Maybe write them a letter. Or invite them out to lunch and have a spiritual conversation with them. Or maybe it does mean that you get on a plane and go to Albania or Haiti. Next Sunday, Steve Oswald is going to come up here and he's going to tell you all about an opportunity that people from our church, you, will have to go to Haiti. Maybe that's where God is, is leading you. Or for you youth out there, your youth group is starting up. Maybe it means that you invite some of your friends who don't go to a youth group to come along with you where they will hear the gospel message. We have a mission field right around us. I heard an interesting stat this week. The United States, by population, so we're not talking percentage, we're, we're just talking sheer numbers of population. The United States has the fourth largest unchurched population in the world. So if you're thinking about where, where are the people who aren't worshiping God, the United States, the fourth largest population. That's your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, maybe even your family. Let's go to them. And if God leads, maybe you go to Haiti or Albania too. But we have a mission field right around us. Let's proclaim the gospel. And a couple questions for you here. Where have you gone for the gospel? Or better yet, where will you go? Again, next door, Haiti. Where will you go as God leads with the gospel? Pray that God would open doors and that he would strengthen you to make the most of those opportunities. It was God's grace that gave this ministry to Paul, and it's that same grace of God that will give a ministry to us if we are listening to him and following him and trusting him as he opens those doors. Okay, let's move on. Point number three. Paul wanted people to grow in the gospel. I want to reread verse 16 for you here. It's starting in the middle of the sentence, but you'll get it to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So specifically what Paul said in verse 16 is that he wanted the Gentiles, or the nations, to be sanctified. And that word sanctified just means made holy. And the only way that we're made holy is through the gospel message, through what Jesus did for us. So to be made holy is first and foremost to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So when I talk about growing in the gospel, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this growing in holiness. In Colossians 1, Paul talks about how the gospel was bearing fruit and growing among you. And the idea is that when the gospel comes to us and we receive it, we are changed, we receive Jesus Christ, and we're sanctified. But that's just the beginning of a process, a lifelong process, in which God wants to make us more and more and more holy, more and more like Jesus Christ. It kind of reminds me of Colossians 2, 6 and 7, then our, our benediction verses. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live in Him. How? Rooted and built up. Strengthened in the faith. That's the goal of what Paul was doing, that people would receive Jesus and then would grow in the faith, would grow in holiness, would grow in the Gospel. You see, the Gospel doesn't stop changing us after we receive Jesus. Now, that's probably the most amazing transformation that any of us could have. The Bible talks about it as death to life, it's darkness to light. It is an amazing transition that happens the moment we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. But the gospel isn't done there. That's just the beginning of a lifelong process of growing in faith and holiness. So Paul's goal was to bring the gospel to people so that they could be saved, but also so that they could grow in holiness. And in doing so, Paul could offer the Gentiles as an offering to God. So that's kind of some Old Testament language there. Let's do a little bit of Old Testament lenses here. Put on those OT goggles, if you have them. Um, in the Old Testament, people were supposed to go to God with animal sacrifices. And what were they supposed to pick? The, the old ones, the weak ones, or the, the one that only had three legs? No. In, in the book of Malachi, I love it. It says, bring that to your governor, see what he thinks. No, they were supposed to pick the best of their flocks and herds and present them to God as, a, as an acceptable sacrifice. So if Paul was going to take the Gentiles, who, you know, the, the Jews would have said those unclean Gentiles, if he was going to take them and offer them as a sacrifice to God, what needed to happen to them? They needed to be cleansed. And the only way for them to be cleansed was for them to receive the gospel message. So Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles so that he could offer them to God as an acceptable sacrifice. But there's more to this offering because remember what Paul said in Romans 12:1. Um, do I have this one up here? Yeah, I think that's the next slide. Therefore, I urge you, brothers... This is Paul talking to the Gentiles. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So it wasn't just Paul who offered the Gentiles to God. It was the Gentiles... And us, we are to continue to offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices. That's how we can offer pleasing, acceptable sacrifices to God. Does it matter to you whether you honor God with your sacrifice? If so, continue to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. And again, we grow in holiness as we live like that, as we continue to offer ourselves on that altar to God by living our lives for Him, we grow in faith and in holiness. So that's why I keep reminding you of the Gospel. That's why I want us all to proclaim the Gospel, and that's why I want us all to grow in the Gospel. May we be bold like Paul was in verse 15 in proclaiming this message. Okay, so that's our passage. Except we're not done yet. Sorry, a few more minutes here. Because I've really not barely touched on one of the most important parts of this passage. I want to conclude by reminding you of how we do all of these things. Not in our own power. We are to do all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit. So these three things that we've been talking about, are three things that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in. So what I want to do now is I want to conclude this sermon by by walking through very quickly each of these three things again. But this time I want to do it with a special eye on the Holy Spirit, and I want to do it from our perspective, not just a history lesson about Paul anymore. I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit can strengthen us to do these same things that Paul did with the Gospel. So first, we are to remind each other of the Gospel. Remind each other. And this isn't something we do alone. In John 14, Jesus is talking to his followers. So this is right before he was going to die, and you know, he would rise again and spend a little bit of time with them again, but then he was going to go back up into heaven. So think about that. He's telling his disciples, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And humanly speaking, that would be a major loss. Not to have Jesus right there with them would be a major loss. But Jesus told them about something, or rather someone that he would give to them. In John 14, 26, he said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So this work of reminding each other of the gospel is the work that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in. So let's pray that we would be a people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and would remind each other of the gospel. That's what God wants to do in our midst as we gather together reminding each other of the great news of the gospel. Then second we are to proclaim the gospel. In verse 19 of our passage today the Apostle Paul talked about how as he proclaimed the gospel there were signs and wonders and that it all happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now truth be told I haven't personally seen many signs and wonders as I have proclaimed the gospel message I do think I've witnessed one miracle. Uh, I can can tell you about that some other time. Uh, But I don't know that I've ever seen, like, in gospel proclamation, this, whoa, miracle. Although I've heard lots of stories. Uh, I've heard stories of people rising from the dead. Um, You can talk to some of our missionaries here. I'm sure that they've got some stories for you as well. Um, But what I have seen is the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. I have seen lives do complete 180s as the Gospel message has been proclaimed. I have seen that personally over and over again. So do I boast in that? Do I, uh, do I tell you how many it is and um, tell you how good I am at sharing the Gospel? No! It's the same power that changed me, that, that rescued me from death to life. It was just at work in them as the Gospel message went out. But do you see how it happens there? Let me put this up on the screen because I want you to see it. As we proclaim the gospel, the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work in people's lives. Probably more than you realize because I think we're tempted to think, oh, it's just my words and maybe I'll stumble over them or maybe I won't know what to say, but do you know what? If it's a gospel message, then the Holy Spirit is at work to change their lives. So we should go out with this gospel, but not just in our own power. We should ask God to strengthen us. And the Holy Spirit will do just that. And then third, we are to grow in the gospel. In verse 16 of our passage... Paul talked about how the Gentiles were to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now again, the word sanctified just means made holy. And we don't make ourselves holy. There's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do to present ourselves as holy to God. It's only the work of God in us to make us holy. And specifically, it's the Holy Spirit who makes us holy. That's why I so often say, like it says in Galatians 5, 16, and 26, live by the Spirit keep in step with the Spirit. Those are commands that we are to obey. So more often than we probably usually do, we should recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And just a quick note on that, um, that's going to be our uh, adult Sunday school uh, theme this year, is what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? How do we follow him? But let me just give you the the crash course here. How do we do that? How do we follow the Holy Spirit? Well, in one sense, we just do the things that we already know we're supposed to do, like reading the Bible and praying, and being in regular fellowship with other believers, and sharing the gospel. But, as we do those things, we recognize that the Holy Spirit wants to strengthen us to do those things. So, for example, as we're reading our Bibles, maybe we say, God, would you please help me to understand what I'm about to read, and would you help me to apply what you want me to apply? And you don't even specifically have to mention the Holy Spirit, I think. i heard a theologian say this, that the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus, and Jesus' work was to bring glory to the Father. So it's not like we always, always have to say specifically, please fill me with the Holy Spirit, although I do think it's a great practice to do that. I'm just saying we don't have to do it every single time. But just in general, we're reading our Bibles and we're saying, God, help me, or Holy Spirit, please fill me. And He strengthens us then to do what He wants to do. Same thing with sharing the gospel. What would you rather do? Just in your own power, go find somebody and try to approach them and, and hope that it works? Or pray to God. Say, God, would you please open the doors? And then maybe you go to that very same person, but maybe the power of the Holy Spirit is at work instead of just you. What would you rather have? God is powerfully at work in us through the Holy Spirit. To remind us of the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, and to grow in the gospel. He's at work in us that we can live holy lives. We can't live holy lives on our own, but in his power we can. And God is pleased to fill us with the Holy Spirit. So as we walk in the Holy Spirit, again, let's remind each other of the gospel, proclaim the gospel, and grow in the gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for these reminders here. And God, these are things that many of us have heard and known before, heard many times perhaps. But God, we thank you that you have reminded us that it's your gospel that changes lives. It's the power of what happened through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's the ongoing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to change us and to make us holy. God, I pray that we would be a church that continues to remind each other of the gospel. And as we remind each other, may we be encouraged and emboldened to go out and proclaim the gospel, too. We pray that you would open doors for us. God, help us not to do that in our own power, but help us to go exactly where you lead. Would you please help us to be watchful, and would you help us to make the most of every opportunity, and would you give us the words to say? And then, God, we pray that we would all grow in holiness, too. Would you make us holy by the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk with you? Would you transform us from the inside, God? Thank you, God, for your amazing power to save and to make holy. God, would you strengthen us to continue to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.